Welcome to the Celebrity Estates Wills of the Rich and Famous podcast. In this podcast, we break down high-profile celebrity estate planning cases for advisors and their clients. Most celebrity estate catastrophes are based on the same issues that everyday people face, just with the volume turned up. Our goal is to identify and extract the individual estate planning issues that lie at the heart of each story. We then discuss what advisors should expect and how to avoid common pitfalls. Hosted by WealthManagement.com Senior Editor David Lenock. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of WealthManagement.com's Celebrity Estates, Wills of the Rich and Famous. For anyone new to the podcast, in each installment, myself and a guest take on a different celebrity estate and attempt to extract some key lessons that planners can apply to their more traditional clients. The idea being that celebrity estate planning stories, although often ridiculous in their details, generally have at their cores very basic issues that can just as easily apply to non-famous or fabulously wealthy clients. Our guest this week is Jeff Fishman. Jeff is the founder and managing member of JSF Financial in Los Angeles. Thanks for joining us, Jeff. David, it's great to be here. So normally, this is the part where I introduce the celebrity subject of this week's episode and then run my mouth for about five minutes telling a story about their estate. We're going to throw a curveball this week, though. No celeb. Instead, we're going to flip our mission statement a bit and talk with Jeff specifically about advising higher-profile clients and those in the entertainment industry, which is a topic a number of our listeners have expressed an interest in hearing us tackle. So, Jeff, before we get into the real nitty-gritty, do you mind telling us, our audience a bit about yourself and your practice? Sure, David. It's, uh, so, I'm born and bred in Los Angeles and went to college and law school in New York, so I've basically spent my life here on both coasts. And uh, after having practiced law for a couple of years, I'd gone through the UCLA financial planning program and decided to start my own fee-based financial planning practice, which I began 25 years ago. And being in the middle of Los Angeles, having grown up here, inevitably, I have a lot of friends from childhood and other people that I've met who work throughout the entertainment industry. And our whole practice has been built upon referrals. And as you can imagine, those young producers and young writers suddenly become showrunners, become directors. Um, they introduce you to others. And it's basically just been that word of mouth progression throughout the whole industry, which has taken us to where we are today. Interesting. So, you know, I know a lot of, you know, for our, a lot of our listeners and a lot of advisors, um, you know, working with sort of, you know, entertainment clients and high profile clients like this is, is sort of an aspirational thing. So a lot, you know, another very popular question we get is, you know, how do I break into this industry? How do I start uh, having these clients? It seems like you started collecting your client list during childhood. It, it, no, it's funny. It, it It is. It all goes down to relationships like anything else on the one hand. Um, on the other hand, I mean, it's interesting. It's a type of an industry that you can get started if you want to start at the bottom. And we've all heard the stories of people working at the agencies in the mail rooms, coming from Harvard to Yale and literally going ahead and working in a mailroom at Creative Artists Agency or one of the others. And it's pretty much the same if you want to go ahead and start working in, in the industry. You've got to start going ahead and forging relationships with those kind of people because the way the industry works is those people at the bottom inevitably want to then move up to somebody's desk and ultimately become you know, either an agent or become a young, you know, from a writer's room to become a writer themselves. Uh, a lead writer or a kind of producer. And it's really just starting early with certain people in their career, like in any other industry and hopefully growing with them. Yeah, that's a really interesting point that I'm glad you brought up here is that I think for a, a lot of people, the entertainment equals celebrity. So if you're, someone's in the entertainment industry, 
they're automatically a high-profile person, and it's just this leap, right? But in reality, there's an entire ecosystem that makes up the entertainment industry. And so you can, and working with everyone among that ecosystem, much like working with clients, as you said, in other industries, is an important part of eventually working your way up to those higher-up people. Completely. Completely. And uh, again, once you start forging relationships, and people forget the entertainment industry is. I mean, you've got in front of the camera, then you got all the people who work behind the camera. And there's a lot more people who work behind the camera than in front of the camera. And that whole industry behind the camera, they tend to be much what I'll call more, um, more consistent type of income situations. They tend to be far more stable. And so from a pure business standpoint, while the people in front of the camera are a lot more appealing and maybe sexy, the other side is actually a lot more uh, attractive when you think about it from an overall business perspective. Mm-hmm. You mentioned uh, consistency of income. Can you kind of uh, expound on that, that concept a little bit and sort of what that means with, with this sort of segment of clientele? Sure. So if you are an executive at a studio, you're going to typically be under contract for multiple years. If you are a writer on a show, as long as the show's coming back and it's doing well, you're typically going to come back season after season. Um, Alternatively, if your talent on a show, and even if the show, or if you're on a movie, you're going from movie to movie, if you're on a show, not only are you subject to renewal, but more than that, if all of a sudden the show starts doing well, what typically will happen will be that the talent is then looking to earn more money per episode. And if the network or whoever's behind the show believes that those demands are getting out of hand, what happens to you, David? They kill you off. You're gone. (laughs) And that's how that changes. So the difference between having a multi-year contract or having an ongoing deal um, is very different than someone who's going from project to project. And so as a result, you're mu- you've got to be much more in tune with the feast or famine side of the industry when you're dealing on, with, on a talent side, as opposed to the other people who, like you said, in the other part of the ecosystem, who will, will be in a much more consistent, stable type of income situation. So, I mean, if I can reiterate, I guess what you're saying, it sounds to me as if you're saying there's a large portion of the entertainment industry that is broadly similar to your traditional client who works in an office building in, in New York or in, in a more traditional as an accountant in a more traditional industry. And then there are the others that have, you know, the people in front of the camera often who have, it's a very different situation. Uh, yeah, that, 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 that is true. That is definitely true. Even though the April 15th deadline, I'm sure there's nobody out there who, uh, who, who, who really strives to be in that kind of situation. <laughs> So, I mean, you mentioned this April 15th deadline and, and this idea of, uh, for, you know, for people in front of the camera, that how inconsistent their income can be. Um, so what are some of the sort of the tax issues that come up then with, with that sort of highly inconsistent income level? So as you can imagine, there's going to be a lot of planning going from year to year based upon the, you know, the peaks in, uh, and troughs in somebody's income. So for someone who all of a sudden has a big income year because let's say they wrote this, you know, they, they wrote this movie and ended up receiving a large payment in a single year. And the next year could be a development year, meaning they're working on new scripts. And as a result, their income is going to be far less you know, in the subsequent year until the next, you know, the next movie is made. And as a result, you're going to go ahead and try to number one, come up with pension pension ideas that can maximize contributions in those peak earning years, number one. 
Number two is you're going to probably go ahead and do whatever you can to sort of bundle deductions in those peak years from a business standpoint. Because let's face it, the deductions in those years are going to be far more valuable than in those years when, when the income is at a trough. Interesting. And then again, you know, tied in with this idea of the inconsistent income is, you know, there's that very first time you get the spike, right? So I know in, in every industry, you know, people we talk about sudden wealth syndrome, this idea that, you know, someone could win the lottery or, or whatever. But I think in most industries, you, you're sort of gradually working your way up. There's, there's very little like, oh, I'm a waiter. And then all of a sudden, I'm, you know, the CEO of Morgan Stanley. Like these, these doesn't really happen that way. But you know, in, in entertainment, you can go from being a waiter with a bunch of scripts out to, oh my God, my script got bought. All of a sudden I have money. 100%. You could be 25 years old and you could be cast on the show. And all of a sudden you're, you know, all of a sudden you're receiving $50,000 per episode for being on the show at 25 years old. Same thing that you're scripting your bond. All of a sudden you, you, you receive a fee, which you never even imagined. And so part of the challenge is, like with anybody else, is when you're young in your 20s and all of a sudden if you receive a lot of money, um, you're not necessarily thinking and focused on long-term planning. Um, it's another thing if you become the CEO of Morgan Stanley, like you mentioned, in your 40s or 50s, um, let's just say that you're going to have a much more mature perspective than maybe someone in their 20s who's going to be much more focused on, okay, well, how can I enjoy this now? I think also that that brings up a question of, you know, how do you get that client in the door? Right? It's obvious that they need advice, but you know, to break through to a 25-year-old who all of a sudden went from waiting tables to having you know money to burn, the first thing they think of is not, I need to talk to somebody about this. Completely agree. And it's usually going to be responsible family members who take the position of, you know what, the, you know, my son, my daughter, they, they, they need some assistance. Um, they're in a position now that they're suddenly making a large amount of money and, you know, they, they, they need to speak to someone professionally who can help them. And it often happens that way. It also happens, like I mentioned before, where you'll have a producer, someone who's been in the industry a longer time, or even a studio executive who forges a relationship with someone who's younger and who will say, you know what, you need to go ahead and start thinking of planning. And here's the people that I've used and here's the people who we respect. And I think you should give them a call. Um, because as you can imagine, like you said, when you're waiting tables, the last thing you're thinking about is you know, how much can I go ahead and set aside in a pension to, for tax purposes this year? Yeah, you're finally making money for the first time in your life. The last thing you want to do is think about like, oh, how can I give some other guy my money to, to help me make it work? Because like, I want to keep all this. No, they're focused on rent. And, you know, can they get away from having three roommates or not? <laughs> so, you know, along with this idea of sudden wealth syndrome and, and young people, you know, getting money, I think you hear a lot of horror stories about, you know, you know, we talked about honest family members, but then there's also dishonest family members and there are honest advisors and, and dishonest advisors, unfortunately. Um, and I, how much of an issue is, I guess, the creation of trust in, in, in entertainment industry as, as compared to sort of, you know, more traditional industries? Right. So creation of trust is huge for multiple reasons. Number one is you have people, like you said, who suddenly end up earning a lot of money. Um, oftentimes you have family and it's the same thing in the athletic world as well. But where you have a lot of people who are maybe around that person looking, you know, hanging on, so to speak. And while there hopefully is one or two people in the family, and hopefully it's you know parents or an aunt or uncle 
who's trying to give the best objective advice to help that, you know, help that uh, person out. There's oftentimes people who are, you know, surrounding that, you know, that, that successful person and trying to think about, well, how about myself? And oftentimes you'll see people thinking about houses, you know, for, you know, or thinking about cars or thinking about, you know, other things that they want and how they can capitalize on the situation to their benefit. And it's tough. It's really, really tough because, again, you suddenly have somebody who's not only come into a lot of money, but what often happens is, is those people who suddenly experience success, number one, it comes along with a lot of uh, adulation. Um, there's a lot of people around them. There's a lot of people suddenly at their beck and call who were never in their life before. So suddenly you start becoming what I want to say a little bit, you know, like you think you're somewhat invincible. You think this is going to continue forever. You think you're now on a roll and this is just the beginning. And it's like, okay, what's it make a difference if I go ahead and give this person this or give this person that, or I invest in that restaurant, or I go ahead and um, I take this extravagant trip, you know, it'll keep going. And that leads to part of the biggest challenge of being able to advise them that, you know what, despite all of the adulation and you're great and this movie is great or the show is great or whatever else, you know what, the music could stop. And if the music stops next year, then what, and what do you have left to show for it? And that's part of the difficult conversations we have to have with those kind of clients. Mm -hmm. And then there's also, I think the flip side of the, that, of that, <clears throat> that too big to fail kind of mentality is that with the advisors I've spoken to and, and the athletes that I've spoken to is that there is a certain feeling of responsibility, you know, when you're waiting tables and living with roommates and everyone is going through the same sort of struggle at the bottom, there is a camaraderie and a sense of community that can develop. And, you know, you can feel, you know, when, when one of you finally makes it, there can be, a, okay, well, I made it and I have all these friends who are struggling, but they're so great and all they need is a little help. And, you know, and it's very easy to fall into that, uh, you know, that now you're you know, the daddy warbucks of your group. Completely, completely that's the case. Um, friends and family. And there's a sense of responsibility, like you mentioned. And so it's all about how do you balance that? How do you balance that sense of responsibility combined with the fact that you're now successful, but you know, who's to say that's going to continue? And so as you can imagine, from a pure psychological perspective, it, there's a lot of discussions and counseling that's going to surround this kind of a, a situation to help these kind of people be able to make good decisions and balance all those different demands and expectations in their lives. So you, know, you, you had just mentioned in passing athletes. Um, I know that there's a lot of, especially in the inter- uh, and sort of the, uh, the ecosystem that, that supports them, there's a lot of similarities. Are there any sort of key differences with, with sort of clients or professional athletes um, in terms of what sort of advice they're facing versus someone in entertainment? Completely. And the reason is, is because it, depending on the type of sport we're looking at, their window could be even shorter. And then there's always an issue of an, an injury that could happen tomorrow that could basically completely sideline, if not end your career. And that's part of the issue. I mean, if you think about Olympic athletes, and I've had clients who've been you know, gold medal winners, um, the challenge there is that you have a really, really narrow window uh, to be able to capitalize on that kind of success. If you're playing football, the average career, I think, is less than three years. Um you know, if you're in, you know, what we know what the NFL stands for, David, not for long, right? I was going to go with no fun league, but yeah, not for long. Exactly, not for 
lawnmower, funneling. And so you think about those type of situations and it's a really, really limited window. So on the entertainment side, I mean, you hope that you're going to have a longer window. And again, if you're a writer, if you're a producer, if you're on the agency side, I mean, you, you, you tend to expect that you're going to have a much longer career. If you're on the talent side or you're on the acting side, we've all read stories, especially about actresses, who when they hit 40, that their careers change dramatically. And so, but let's face it, if they're starting in their early to mid-20s, there's still a, a lot of earning years uh, to be able to capitalize on, on on who they are and their talents. So there is a very a very different type of projection that you go through uh, depending on what someone's doing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important also to point out that the one thing in common here is though it seems that when you're dealing with these inconsistent incomes and these short windows that, you know, in your head, you're like, oh, how could I plan long-term? But in reality, long-term planning is far more important for people in, in those situations than it is for someone in more of a salaried position. Completely, 100%. But not only that, I mean, this is where you then have to stress things like an emergency fund. You're going to go ahead and hoard a lot of cash. You're going to try to avoid any kind of significant debt because if the music stops, it's going to be very hard to be able to service that debt. Yeah, and I mean, liquidity is really sort of the operating word there, right? Completely, yep. So, you know, you mentioned again in passing um, this idea that, you know, for women in front of the camera, there is, you know, sadly... A, a very different career path and, and a shorter career path. And, you know, women face struggles is in every industry, unfortunately, still. Um, but, you know, if you had sort of a female client in the entertainment industry come in, would you advise her differently with this in mind than you would for a male in the same position? So it, the advice is similar from, and we're talking in front of the camera now. Yeah. yeah. So, right. The, the advice is similar, which is, okay, you're going to be in this show or you're going to be in this movie and who knows what happens next. Um, so, so we're going to try to reinforce that with you know people, whether they're male or female, actors or actresses. At the same time, I mean, as we've seen, I mean, there are male actors who literally just sort of go from role to role and, um, and, and they tend to have much longer careers. So that's going to be a conversation that we are going to have. With, with actresses to go ahead and I think just sort of think, take a step back and say, okay, realistically, how long do you want to continue doing this? And then there's the other side, David, which is you often have actresses who say, wait a second, I want to, I want to have a family. I want to start a family. I want to have children. And as you can imagine, that's also the type of scenario which the men don't have to worry about, but for the woman, that could also be career altering. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, we say the men don't have to worry about it. You know, they, they obviously are having families, but it's not affecting them physically and shutting them down necessarily in, in the way that it will, you know, biologically for a woman. Exactly. So, you know, we've sort of covered a very broad swath of of, the, of this portion of the industry here. Um, if you could sum it up, I guess, what, what do you think the most pressing concern that your clientele sees is? So I think if we take a look at this past year, David, going through the pandemic, I think, you know, everybody looks at things similarly and recognizes the fact that when you thought things were going to be predictable or you thought that you could plan, it's amazing how all of a sudden that things can change to an extent that you never thought imaginable. And it ended up impacting people in the entertainment industry and dramatically 
greater than in many other industries. Not to in any way diminish the fact that we had almost 10 million more people who are unemployed than were a year ago. Um, but all of a sudden, you know, you're on a show and production is halted. All of a sudden, you thought a movie that was going to go, and guess what? There's no movie. And by the way, these people, they don't continue receiving paychecks. You're a writer on a TV show. Again, there's no production. Um, there's nobody able to go to a movie. Or taking it a step further, you have studios who go ahead and say, you know what, we're really going ahead and switching our whole approach and our whole strategic vision. And it's going to be much more in the area of streaming than what we've done traditionally. And as a result, you have massive layoffs where I, th I believe some of the studios have already cut their workforce by 10 to 20%. It's that kind of scenario that has had a huge impact on people throughout the entertainment industry. So that if you haven't planned well for that kind of a drought, you're going to be in a really, really challenging situation. Yeah, this is uh, just a continuation of this idea of, of planning for the trough that you always have, except this trough has been sort of like unlike any other trough we've seen in the last sort of 70 years. And this is when, this is when you were working and all of a sudden work is halted, right? And by the yeah. way, it's still a situation that production can get shut down anytime. And you think about the fact people thought, well, you know, I'm shooting in the UK. That's fine. Well, guess what? No, now there's no shooting in the UK, right? That's, that's shut down because of the pandemic. And it's, it, it, it's created a whole different type of concern. Like you said, that's no, nobody's ever contemplated before. While it's similar to the fact that you always prepare for trust, this is one that I think, again, nobody could have imagined only because you're in the midst of production, you're in the midst of a shoot, um, and all of a sudden you have something called force majeure clauses being invoked and basically being shut down and your, your, your income stream that you pretty much not only counted on, but you thought you would receive under contract suddenly disappears. So, you know, we've covered a huge swath of, of content here. I'd like to thank uh, Jeff Fishman for, for being a really fantastic guest and I think uh, just a very informative interview. Thanks for joining us, Jeff. David, it's great being here. Thanks so much for having me. And for our audience, I'll see you, or I guess you'll hear me on the next episode of Celebrity Estates. Thank you for listening to the Celebrity Estates Wills of the Rich and Famous podcast. Click the subscribe button below to become notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of InformaWealthManagement.com. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.